When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The award-winning seven-seat Kia Sorento. Kia, official partner of the FIFA Women's World Cup 2023. Toolmart, the complete tool centre, serving WA for over 40 years. This is Sports Day. Don't change me Don't change me Yes, hello everyone. Thanks, Hayes. Thanks, Marta. The run home returns three o'clock uh, tomorrow afternoon. And of course, it's also followed by Sports Day WA. That's a program you got now with Peter Vlahos taking you through the next hour. And it's all thanks to our very kind sponsors, the Kia EV6 GT World Performance Car of the Year and Toolmart, the complete tool centre serving WA for over 45 years. And there's Paul Hazelby. He's got his Black suit on. He's heading over to the crown because we've got the Sandover medal tonight. Who's going to win it? I heard the boys talking about it. Uh, Jimmy Williams, who has a little segment on the run home, feels that Luke Meadows, he would like to win, being a West Perth man. Uh, it's going to be pretty open. Zach Clark, Subiaco, a couple of players from East Perth, the likes of Brayshaw and Schumacher and Croden. That's three, isn't it? So we'll wait and see what happens. Mark Reddings is going to be the emceeing the event tonight at Crown, and we'll cross to Mark a bit later on. But uh, let's continue the dialogue that has been the big talking point in recent days on the back end of that match on Thursday night between Collingwood and Melbourne. Braden Maynard's airborne smother attempt in the qualifying final, which saw Angus Brayshaw cut it off with concussion. It drew the usual battle lines and exposed footy's uh, many fault lines. Now, the tribunal hearing will test, I suppose, tribal loyalties when it comes to Collingwood. Our governing body, how strong they are. The football media will have their say. And so will former champions who, at this stage, are trying to understand the laws of the game and the definition of footy acts and duty of care, which have become very prominent lines in football these days, in sport for that matter. And I suppose it's also a test of former players. A lot of them will have their say and their ability to accept that their sport has changed considerably over the years and that many of their former teammates are struggling, as we know, with depression and violent mood swings as a result of head knocks. We saw that last night, didn't we? And I think the timing is not good for Braden Maynard. If you saw the spotlight expose last night featuring Hawthorne legend John Platten, who was a real fighter on the footy field. And he was sitting alongside his wife, Leanne, who has taken up the battle on his behalf as the effects of concussion continue to leave Johnny Platten in the past. As we know, the 60-year-old sat down with seven-year spotlight last night alongside rugby league counterpart, Robbie O'Davis and his wife Louise in a renewed push to get answers from the AFL and the NRL. It's amazing now on reflection that Johnny Platten, the rat as he was affectionately known 
during his playing days at Hawthorne, sustained about 38 concussions during his 18-year career, an average of two per season. From when his career began in South Australia before he's moved to the VFL and has been left fearing that he will be diagnosed with CTE. And for his wife, Leanne, it appears she's copying the worst of her husband's symptoms. I saw this last night. She was quoted as saying, he has changed a lot. His memory, he forgets things all the time. And it's brought her to tears in the situation and in the interview last night. He says his temper has become very short. He never had that before. He was very easygoing. Just uh, real little things will now trigger him off. And she went on to say, sorry, I'm upset. Why am I doing this? She even had second thoughts about actually conducting the interview. And Johnny Platten last night in the interview recalled his worst concussion. Came in the 1989 grand final between Hawthorne and Geelong. The grand final where Gary Ablett Sr. kicked nine goals in one of the most spectacular individual performances in grand final history on a losing side. They came charging back, did the Cats, but it just wasn't enough. Platten was concussed. And what he said, his worst concussion in the opening quarter of that grand final. And he said last night, if only I can remember it. I can't remember going up to get my medal. I only played the first quarter. Then I had to watch the game from the bench for the next three quarters. And I don't even remember that. So with that being on last night, and Braden Maynard knocking out Angus Brayshaw, who's had a history of concussions, and people even suggesting whether Brayshaw will play again this season or whether he'll be diagnosed like Brad Shepherd, being told by his medical experts, whoever they may be, it may be in your best interests, Angus, to maybe give the game away. Now I was talking to Paul Hazelby. He's got his thoughts on whether Maynard will be let off at the tribunal tomorrow night. Two o'clock our time, it gets underway. We'll cop a suspension. I think the lad will happen. As I said, the timing of this interview with the Rat last night couldn't have come at a worse time for the likes of Braden Maynard. Love to hear your thoughts on it. Get on the temper of bedshed text machine, 0487 736 736. I think he's gone. Personally, I think he's gone. Uh, colleague of fans, you may disagree with me, but I'm not sure we'll see uh, Braden Maynard play in the AFL finals uh, again uh, this season. And it'll be one of those stories that will be headlined as it happens when you get to a finals campaign, and in particular to a grand final, about players that miss out through injury, players that miss out through selection, and players that miss out through suspension. And I've just got a feeling that Maynard will be one of those players that will miss out on suspension. Because I think Collingwood and Brisbane are shaping up to be the grand finalists in 2023. That's the uh, major story for mine, thanks to the good oil for Cobram Estate. Premium Australian extra virgin olive oil. Give us your thoughts. Get on the temper of bedshed text machine. As I said, 0487 736 736. Love to hear from you. Of course, Cobram Estate, Australia's most awarded extra virgin olive oil, grown, harvested and first cold-pressed in northern Victoria. As we do uh, on a Monday, let's rip into the top five at five. It's all thanks to Novus Auto Glass. There's a Novus Auto Glass near you. All you need to do is call 13 22 34. Asher, let's roll it. Number five. 
He's celebrating right now. You got to be happy for these guys. So as they inbound it, Dennis Schroeder will let the time run out. And can you believe it? Germany, World Cup champions here in Manila. What a time to be a German fan. They secure their first World Cup title. They get the gold medal. They are officially the world champions of the basketball world. And you can see what it means. You can see the, the passion, the pride. Yes, of course, Germany beat uh, the Boomers in a group game, and they went on to win their first ever uh, Basketball World Cup title by beating the undermanned Serbian outfit by 83-77 to 77 in what was a bit of a slugfest of the two European powerhouses yesterday in Manila. Number four. Australia have it back. Here's Carter Gordon. They're hunting a fifth try here. Gordon offloads to Donaldson on a hat-trick. Can't take the pass. And that'll do it. We've always been confident about where we're going. You know, I've got no doubt, and I just see how hard the players work and the way they come out in the start of games. You know, you don't come out in the start of games and play like that if you're lacking confidence. And there's a real feeling that, you know, this team could do something and, and you know, they're all working for each other. So that might be one reason. Maybe Luke Pearce liked us. Where was that, where's that Pommy bloke from? Uh, where was he from? Daily Telegraph, one of my favourite newspapers. Where's he? He's not here today. I bet if we lost, he'd be here. Might have to send him an invitation. Know his name? Charles. Charles, are you out there, mate? No. Okay. Obviously, I'm not popular, mate. So at least it's consistent. Like, you either want to be popular or unpopular. And, and I'm consistently unpopular, so that's all right. I can, I can deal with that. <laughs> that's one of his coach, Eddie Jones. Uh, unfazed by the hostile reception he copped during Australia's World Cup Open against Georgia, asserting he can deal with being unpopular, as you heard. And the Aussies started their World Cup campaign with a 35-15 to 15 bonus point victory over the 11th-ranked Georgia on Sunday morning, our time. Number three. A wedge again for Menji. Come on. Come on. Thanks, Come on. Oh, it is Jason. Oh, yeah. Magnificent shot. Incredible for Menji Lee. She bent, but she didn't break. And Menji Lee is a winner again on the LPGA Tour. She wins the Kroger Queen City Championship on the second playoff hole with Charlie Hall. Super special, um, and I, I feel really happy, and I feel like I really deserve this one. Um, I feel like it's been a little bit of a long time coming after the US Open, and I've um, had a few weeks, like the past few weeks, um, that I've been really close, so um, I feel like um, I'm really deserving one. Yeah, good on you, Minji. We're all really wrapped for you. You lost a five-shot lead on the back nine, but recovered at just the right time, hitting uh, wedge to uh, two feet from birdie to beat Charlie Hull on the second playoff hole uh, in the Queen City Championship in uh, Cincinnati. Now, a two-time major champion, won her first title this year after closing with a one-under-71. It was her second playoff victory on the LPGA Tour. And she never imagined it would get to that point. By the way, the victory netted her, thank you very much, $470,000. Number two. Novak Djokovic. 
Djokovic, a Grand Slam champion again. Novak Djokovic, his third major title of this season. His fourth U.S. Open. 24 and counting. 24 and he still wants more. I never imagined that I would be here sitting, standing with you talking about 24 slams. I ne never thought that, that that would be the reality, but uh, the last couple of years I felt I have a chance, I have a shot at the history, and why not grab it if it's presented? Oh my goodness. Uh, it means so much to me. Um, I feel like I'm a little bit in shock in this moment. Um, you know, that French Open loss was a heartbreak for me. Um, but I realized, you know, God puts you through tribulations and trials, and this makes this moment even more sweeter than I can imagine. Yes, uh, Coco Golf, uh, 19 years of age, winning her first Grand Slam title at home at the U.S. Open over an error-prone Anya Sabalenka, the world number one. And before that, Novak Djokovic, 24 Grand Slam titles now. Just quite incredible. Of course, now ties the record held by West Australian Margaret Court. Serena Williams, 23. Steffi Graf, 22. Rafa on 22 and Roger Federer on 20. Even uh, those now are sort of in the distance as the 36-year-old Serb Novak Djokovic just powers on. We'll relive uh, the two weeks of tennis at the US Open a bit later on in the program when I speak to Brett Phillips. Number one. Brayshaw gets hold of it, pumps it to the teeth of goal. Whistle. Brayshaw got downed after the kick came. Maynard cannoned into him. There's remonstration. Degoe is limping from the scene. Tempers are more than frayed. Brayshaw is flat on the MCG turf. It's a real aid free kick to Fritsch. But there's all manner of concern back at the source. He's barely moved, Brayshaw. Yeah, some issues with his, his head and he wears that. Could he be kicking this? If he kicks into the man on the mark, plays live, and we've got a player that can't move. It would be odds. Bailey Fritsch directly in front, 20 metres out, steadies the ship for Melbourne. So Fritsch has the demons on the board. Degoe has limped from the scene and gone down to the rooms. They've called for the we stretcher. We are all awaiting the replay. Brayshaw, the stretcher has been called for. It's entirely likely his night is done and his assailant, his final series might be done after tonight. That was Jared Whateley calling uh, the action on the AFL Nation around the country of that match on Thursday night. And I think I've certainly said my piece. Love to hear what you have to say. As I said on the temperate bedshed text machine, 0487 736 736. A top five at five. All thanks to Novus Autoglass. Don't let your old windscreen end up as landfill. Call Novus Autoglass. The number to call 1322. 34. That's our top five at five on this Monday. We'll take a break. On the other side of the break, we're going to go live to Crown because they're counting down to the 2023 Sandover medal. Who will be judged the West Australian Football League's best and fairest? And anchoring the coverage, as he does every year, is Mark Reddings. We'll have a chat to Mark after the break. 
the award-winning seven-seat Kia Sorento. Kia, official partner of the FIFA Women's World Cup 2023. Toolmart, the complete tool centre, serving WA for over 40 years. This is Sports Day. Don't change me up. Don't change me Sports Day WA on this Monday. We'll get to the temperate bedshed text machine, uh, 0487 736 736. In just a moment, uh, people wanting to talk about uh, Braden Maynard and also a bit of talk about uh, cricket as well. So we'll get to those texts in just a moment. Of course, you can also give us a call, 13 12 55. Big night tonight uh, when it goes into the history of West Australian football. Uh, some of the most celebrated individuals that have ever played the game here in Western Australia have been honoured over the years. Another one will add uh, their name to a very illustrious list when the person is crowned the 2023 Sandover medalist. It's happening at Crown tonight and a man that anchors, of course, the WAFL coverage uh, on Channel 7 and also will be emceeing the event tonight is Mark Reddings and he's given us a few minutes of his time to give us a bit of a... uh, a colourful picture on what we're in for tonight for those people that are going and those people that will be watching it online. Uh, Mark, thanks for your time. Hi, Pete. Yes, yeah, good to chat with you. And uh, it's an unusual one. It's an understand a medal held in the week of preliminary final. Normally, it's in grand final week, but uh, I think some scheduling issues means it's a week earlier. So uh, it's uh, a slightly change of the guard because you've got uh, still three teams alive and so maybe a little bit more subdued on the tables than in previous years. <laughs> Let's have a look at the uh, opportunities that's going to be presented to a number of those players. Uh, judging from what people are saying, it could be a fairly open one. Uh, Meadows has been talked about in the West this morning. There's a trio of East Perth players. There is Zach Clark, and there may be a few others as well. Absolutely. Look, historically, midfielders win Brownlow medals, Sandover medals, McGarry medals. I, I think that'll still be the case tonight. Zach Clark had a really good year for Subiaco. Uh, almost 800 hitouts during the home and away season, and he's been outstanding for Subiaco. But if you look at some of the numbers that have been collected by uh, the mid, and you mentioned these first, Hamish Brayshaw has been outstanding. A better year than last year. Remember, he was a, an equal runner-up and kicked 25 goals in this season that's just finished for East Perth. Uh, also, Luke Meadows, you mentioned, also equal runner-up last year, has been outstanding. And, and I guess the theory is that because he won't have as many uh, teammates taking votes off him. He deserves favouritism on that front. Uh, so those two probably stand out, but lots of lots of admirers for the likes of Angus Shoemaker and Mitch Croden from the East Perth Footy Club, both been prolific this year. Uh, you look down the page, and it's one different. Aiden Clark has got a heap of the footy, so too Jesse Turner. We know that Milan Murdoch's been really good. Joy Bolton looking to become uh, the three-time Sandover medalist, which would be rare territory for, for him. He's been getting a lot of the football, albeit in a slightly different role at times this year as well. So, so many chances and it's just a question of um, how how the, the, the umpires adjudicate the 3 2 ones, uh, particularly for instance when East Perth go well and you've got the likes of Schumacher, Croden and Brayshaw all getting a lot of the footy. Uh, what's the format for tonight, uh, Mark? Because I know there's the Sandover medal and it's been pretty well documented. Uh, the WA Football Hall of Fame. So it's going to be a special night when we also honour some of our past champions. Absolutely. So as you mentioned, the, the Hall of Fame is a really special part of the night. We've only had 
another group of inductees. Uh, Jan Cooper, the first time a female is to be inducted into the WA Football Hall of Fame, which is a terrific recognition for her contribution to football and particularly women's football. Uh, Alex France, uh, Richmond Premiership player, 2017, five-time All-Australian, just a, a gun player and probably the best defender of his era in the AFL. Uh, Phil Cracker, part of Cracker Magic. I know you and I would have watched a lot of uh, Phil and Jim play some wonderful footy over the years, initially for Claremont, 81 Premiership player, and then across to North Melbourne. And he, of course, he finished off his career at Footscray, but Phil Cracker, uh, worthy inductee, and he joins his brother Jim in the, the Hall of Fame. Uh, and then Alistair Pickett, who is a four-time Premiership player with Subiaco and a dual Sandover medalist uh, at separate clubs, which is a, a first uh, for um, anyone in WA. So uh, they are the four inductees. And there will be a legend uh, named tonight as well. So that will be a, a surprise, but a, a special surprise. And one, I think, will be uh, greatly uh, appreciated and applauded by those in the ballroom. A special night, and of course, uh, you've done quite a number now of a Sandover medal presentations. I know you enjoy it, and you're right across the WAFL. And this weekend, you'll be back uh, behind the microphone broadcasting the prelim final. Uh, which way do you see it going, Skeet? Of course, East Romantle already through to the Optus Stadium grand final the week after that. Peel and Subiaco, can you give us uh, your early thoughts on what sort of prelim final it could be? Well, you go back to the qualifying final, Subiaco led by 28 points at half-time. I thought the game was done. I thought Subiaco would just shut down the thunder and that would be it. But uh, they rebounded. We know what they won that game by 10 points. And off the back of that, they only went down by five points to East Romantle last week. So uh, apart from the fact that the game's now at Mandurah and not leadable oval is an advantage for, a slight advantage for Peel Thunder. And it hasn't just been their AFL-listed players. Uh, Jack Sears, Leonard Bell, and Hancock, they've all been terrific in the finals campaign. So uh, although there's always a lot of talk about how many AFL-listed players they have, and certainly they will help, uh, it's been their, their local products that have ensured they've got through to a premium final. Subiaco, uh, mind you, they were terrific, particularly in the first quarter. It was five goals to nothing against Claremont. The game was effectively done uh, by the time Claremont even got into Year. So uh, at the end of the day, they had uh, Sokol and uh, Borcher kicking six goals between them. And if those two get rolling again, it would be uh, a real chance for Subiac. I, I think Peel gets through. I think they go through to play East from Adel at Optus Stadium uh, on uh, Sunday week. That will be a really good grand final. Uh, look, I, you know, as a sentimentalist, I'm hoping East from Adel breaks a, a drought of 25 years and, and, and goes all the way. They've obviously got some off field issues to contend with, but uh, certainly from a competition point of view, East Romano would be a good result, but all three teams still alive, very worthy, and uh, we know what Subiaco can do, they're unbeaten in yeah. the grand finals at Optus Stadium. Yeah, that no, should be a beauty, looking forward to the event here at Optus Stadium in a couple of weeks' time, and as we let you go, good luck tonight, I know you'll go well. Uh, your tip for the Sandover medal? Oh, gee, I, I, I find any one of the East Perth midfielders in there, uh, Brayshaw, Croden, and then Schumacher. I'm not sure they'll try to through it, but I'll put those three at the top of my list. Wow. They didn't, they didn't play finals footy this, this year, but I think there'll be uh, a lot of midfielder numbers being picked up by the by the East Perth boys tonight. Uh, what order they finish, I'm not so sure. But Meadows is the, the one that, if he does get the votes that we think early in the piece, 
then he might be uh, uncatchable. But at this stage, I, I still think he's pretty good. They finished on top of they, they were on top of the ladder midway through the season and were just, uh, what was it, a percentage away from a double chance. Don't need to tell that Peter being an East Coast supervisor. <laughs> um, but, but they, uh, they were pretty good for a lot of this year. I think those midfielders will be recognised tonight in some form. Looking forward to viewing it, of course, uh, for our listeners listening in to Sports Day WA around Western Australia. There's a lot of people that's still very much connected to the Waffle and the Sandover medal. How can they watch you in all your glory and, of course, how the voting goes? Yeah, so it's on streamer.com.au. If you'd like to keep up to date from 7 o'clock, uh, you'll get the coverage of, of the vote and, of course, the Hall of Fame. So it should be great. Now, I don't think I've one concern, Peter. I'm in the, uh, the hotel room. I'm not, too very, not very good at putting the bow tie on, so I might need some assistance between now and the bounce down in about an hour from now. Good on you, mate. I'll tell you if it's crooked when I'm watching it on streamer. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for your time, mate, Thanks, and uh, go well tonight. Good on you. Good okay. on you, Pete. Okay, Mark Reddick's there, who's uh, anchoring the Sandover medal. Uh, it should be a good night. And if you are going, enjoy it. If you're going to watch it, who do you think will win? Give us your thoughts for those people that have followed the WAFL, uh, the Sandover medal count tonight. Let's just go to a uh, couple of text messages. Uh, all thanks to a temper of bedshed 0487 736 736. Hi Peter. Let's go back to the Braden Maynard situation. The head is sacrosanct with all the concussion talk in the AFL. There is no way that Maynard gets off. They have to send a message. Two weeks sounds a bit right. I believe Jim from South Perth. Also, Alex has got on the cricket bandwagon here. He says, Peter, Cricket Australia has once again disrespected WA Cricket. The appointment of Will Sutherland as captain of the Australian A one-day team completely ignores the immaculate pedigree of Ashton Turner. His non-selection as captain beggars belief. And can I add, the shabby treatment of Ashton Agar continues. That's uh, Big Al, who's given us his thoughts on the temper of bedshed uh, text machine. Well, to be fair, there's five West Australians that were in that T20 uh, competition. And I know there's uh, quite a prominent West Australian contingent in the one days being played in South Africa at the moment, where Australia is completely dominating the short form of the game there in the Republic. All right, let's have a look. Uh, thanks to Polaris, Australia's number one selling side-by-side brand, on some of the uh, comments made by certain individuals. And let's go back to Braden uh, Maynard, a still side-bottom, the veteran Collingwood player, who's going to be so pivotal when it comes to experience and knowledge as the Magpies continue to navigate their way possibly to a grand final appearance. They've got a weekend off this weekend. Then they, of course, butter up in the preliminary final. This is what he said on the Braden Maynard bump. Well, I guess it's what, why is he jumping in the air for a start? Like he, he was making a play at the footy and, um, you know, I think it was, it was a footy play. It wasn't, there was no malicious in it. Like Bruz is a fair player. Um, and it's just unfortunate how it ended. I mean, you've watched him play as well. Like, he he hasn't ever really stepped over the line. So when he goes out there and play, he plays hard and fair, and, you know, that's what I see from Braden. You know, I've been on the end of, of cot weeks before, and, you, yeah, you, you never go out, go out there to hurt someone or, um, you know, you don't want to be missing games of footy as well. But the game happened so fast, and... Um, yeah, there's times where things happen that, um, you know, almost you can't control. You know, it's a 360-degree game. There's guys coming from everywhere and, um, you know, sometimes it's unfortunate that things like that happen. But, um, 
you know, that's that's the game that we play and, and accidents are going to happen at, at times as well. So that's still side bottom, his take uh, on his teammate Braden Maynard from the Magpies. Well, Christian Petrarca said this about his teammate, Angus Brayshaw, who, as we know, was taken out early, didn't play any further part in that match and is out of this semi-final this weekend as Melbourne try to hang on in the AFL finals campaign. Yeah, I went and visited him yesterday, uh, Friday, um, with Gorney and... Yeah, he's not going great, to be honest. Like, he's um, obviously he's had a bit of concussion history, um, but like, fortunate that it's only it was six years ago. It's not kind of um, so frequent, but, um, yeah, he's got a bit of a sore neck. And it's really sad. Like, he's one of my closest mates. So I think just in general to see anyone with concussion, whether it's a Collingwood player or a Melbourne player, it is really tough to see someone on the ground. So that's what Christian Petrarca had to say. And the big question is, uh, come the end of the finals campaign or whenever Melbourne do finish, uh, whether... Maybe Angus Brayshaw will continue playing AFL football with the concussion dialogue just circling around uh, the football codes, not at just the AFL, but the NRL as well. Adam Kingsley, first-year coach at GWS. Uh, they recorded a great victory over St Kilda. They're in a semi-final this week. They take on Port Adelaide, and he believes, this is Adam Kingsley, there's a, some real belief in the group. It's a hard one to answer because I, I do have that inner belief right from the pre-season that, that we had a really strong group. We just didn't necessarily show it in the first 10 rounds of the season. But we had signs. We just didn't, weren't doing it for long enough. So, yeah, as I said, the, the, the group I have tremendous belief in. I think when they play that style of footy, they're, they're really hard to beat. And, um, and that's certainly what we pride ourselves on. There you go. That's uh, Adam Kingsley. Ken Hinckley, on the other hand, Port Adelaide, well beaten by Brisbane up the Gabba. Need to butter up, but they're at home this week ahead of that clash against the Giants. No, we'll be okay. We'll, we'll be fine. We earned the opportunity to play that game. Worked really hard all year to get that opportunity, and then um, obviously we would have preferred not to use it, but we now get to use it, and you know we'll we'll be ready to go. And looking forward to the opportunity to play. We played GWS at Adelaide Oval not that long ago, and we had a nice strong win. So we um, we'll bring the Port crowd, which is nice to have them back on our side, and hopefully they're, they're nice and loud too, and we'll we'll give them a reason to be boisterous and loud. Yeah, early in the week, I'm favouring Port possibly to get to a preliminary final. I think they deserve to get to a preliminary final, but we'll wait and see. Funnier things have happened so far in this finals campaign. One of the most surprising stories came just prior to the St Kilda clash against the Giants. It was a huge blow to St Kilda. Tim Membry, uh, the strong, experienced forward, was a late withdrawal from the side. Uh, Ross Lyon certainly had his comments about it, but so did a couple of the assistant coaches when they were asked. One is former champion Lenny Hayes. And this is what he had to say on where Tim Membry is in relation to why he didn't front up in the game at the weekend. Yeah, not a lot, Dwayne. Um, you know, I think in, in this situation, we, we really need to respect, um, you know, Tim and what he's going through. So he's just got a, you know, a, a mental health challenge at the moment. It's just sort of reared. Um, and, and that's all I can really say uh, out of respect to him. And, but he's, he's in really good hands at the moment and, and our thoughts are with him. At, um, but, you know, and there's not, not too much more we can say. And I guess for us, you know, we, we really need to focus on the game at hand too. Our thoughts are with Tim, but, you know, we, we sort of have to get, uh, remain focused on the game. And that's, you know, what we've been speaking to the players about this morning. And no doubt they'll come out and uh, do Tim proud. 
Yeah, well, good luck to Tim on his recovery as Lenny Hayes. What a champion footballer he was for St Kilda. Says he's got some, you know, mental uh, health uh, challenges at the moment. So we wish Tim Membry uh, all the best as he recovers from that. Of course, St Kilda's season's over and let's hope uh, he works on himself and, and gets the assistance during the course of uh, the off-season and he comes back to play for the Saints in 2024. Just before we take a break and we come back and look at what has been a huge two weeks of tennis, Novak Djokovic equaling Margaret Court's record of 24 Grand Slam titles. And, of course, Coco Goff at 19 years of age taking off her very first uh, Grand Slam title at a home US Open at Flushing Meadow in New York at the weekend. We're going to speak to Brett Phillips, who's been right across it in, in just a moment. But the other big story that's been bubbling around for weeks since the end of the FIFA Women's World Cup has been the Spanish Football Federation president, Luis Rubiales, who engulfed in a scandal over giving an unsolicited kiss to a player on the Women's World Cup team last month and says he will resign from his position. He announced his resignation in a statement overnight. English commentator, uh, Piers Morgan, he had an interview with the Spanish football president, and this is how it went. Many people think you should resign as president. What are you going to do? I love so much my daughters, um, and they, they love me so, so much. I, I'm very happy and I'm very proud of them. Very, very proud of them. They are very near to me. About my resignation, yes, I'm going to do. I'm going, You're going to resign? Yeah, I'm going to... Yes, because I cannot continue my work. So there you go. That's Piers Morgan interview with the Spanish uh, football president. So uh, Luis Rubiales has resigned from his position after what has been just a, a month-long scandal after that unsolicited kiss uh, on the uh, Spanish player after they won the World Cup. Lisa of Allenbrook just quickly says Maynard gets found guilty. Collingwood will challenge. Common sense needs to prevail in Maynard's case. It's certainly divided the football world. My Sandover medal winner is Zach Clark of Subiaco from Hamish Brayshaw. How good is it to see four ex-Dockers playing in the finals? Akers, Chera, Hogan and Neil. Good on you. Lisa, thanks for that. We'll take a break. On the other side of the break, we'll talk tennis here on Sports Day WA. Brett Phillips, thanks for joining us. Just heard from the Joker, 24 grand slams. That's nothing to be sneezing about, is it? Amazing performance. Yeah, it's phenomenal, uh, Pete. And look, what more can you say about uh, the man who's just continuing to break records, set new records? Uh, there's probably more records uh, to come. He, he looks in such you know, good shape. I mean, we keep asking the question of how long... He can keep uh, playing for. We can only go by the words coming out of his mouth that he, uh, you know, he's, he's feeling good physically. Uh, he still loves the sport. There's things he wants to achieve, and it'll keep him around for a little bit longer. I mean, who knows what the body will do in the next uh, couple of years? But you know, obviously, what a year to be in all four Grand Slam finals. Um, would love to have won uh, Wimbledon. That one probably still hurts a little bit. Uh, New York's been a tougher one for him to win. And of course, the last two years hasn't been allowed into the States, uh, but just too good, just simply uh, too good. Uh, as an athlete, his, his mental willpower and strength, I mean, I don't think we've seen any you know, better in the game. That uh, that second set today was an absolute lung buster and you know, went one of the longest sets he's played, went well over an hour 
and there were ebbs and flows. But Djokovic, Jizzy played the big points uh, really well. I mean, we had you know twenty, thirty shot uh, rallies between the pair, as you as you would expect at this level between you know two of the the best three tennis players in the world. But he always finds a way. Number one, he's a great front runner. So you know it was three love in a hurry, six three, first set done. Second set, Medvedev's working his way in, gets to a tiebreak. He comes into that tiebreak with a 25-5 and five record this year. You back him in. I've seen him play easier tiebreaks. This one, he had to really fight, come from behind, goes two sets to love, and you think it's just about game over. And Medvedev breathed a little bit of life into the third set, getting a break. And instantly, in the next game, he was broken uh, straight back, and, and the game was on uh, Novak's uh, terms from there. It's just so hard to shift this guy around the tennis court and get the upper hand. So 24, um, you know, Margaret Court, of course, achieved that feat, what, 50 years ago in her last slam. And uh, I think magical number 25 awaits Novak coming back to Melbourne in January, a place where he's absolutely dominated. Serena Williams, 23. Steffi Graf, 22. Rafa, 22. And Roger, 20. And you look at Djokovic, he stands alone now, probably the best of his generation. And given the competition he faced, he sat at number three for a long, long time before, uh, behind Rafa and Roger. And now he stands proudly at number one. He's been there for a long time. In your eyes, probably the best of all time now? <laughs> look, I, I, yeah, the question, I mean, obviously, he's always going to continue to be asked until, he's, until the total three of them retire. Um, I, I suppose I'll just keep a consistent line that I've always said, and, and I think it's, it's it's totally subjective. I really believe it is subjective. And yes, you can argue the numbers, and the numbers are so compelling, and they're going to get better. So if that's what we're purely basing it on, I'm not here to you know tell uh, someone who believes he's the greatest of all time that he's not. And I'm a huge admirer of him as a tennis player, as an athlete. Uh, I, I you know it, it doesn't necessarily if I close my eyes and I've been bullish about Federer the whole time I've covered tennis as the best tennis player I've seen. It was just pure artistry and delight and poetry emotion. Any other little phrase you want to use, Djokovic doesn't necessarily play that beautiful brand, but it's a brand that also does drag you in because you just go, how good is this guy? He's almost like superhuman in a way, uh, the way he moves on a tennis court. So I think... Uh, to me now, it's just like we're, we're, the more these numbers keep increasing, and if Rafa comes back for one step, we just go, what an era! What what an era of tennis that may never be replicated. There's three, all in the same region of Grand Slams and records and what they've achieved. So it's probably hard to argue against it, uh, Peter. If we want to have a definitive greatest of all time, but I still think there's room for people to, um, you know, go Rafa or go Roger as well. Brad Gilbert, let's uh, switch to the women's. Coco Goff, the teenager, winning her first Grand Slam at home in New York at the US Open. Brad Gilbert, I think, did it with Agassi. He did it with Roddick. And now he's done with the teenager prodigy there in America. He's a coaching genius, Brad. He's been one of my favourites to listen to across the journey on ESPN. And great analyst, great strategist. Yes, uh, the bulk of Andre Agassi's titles came under Brad who was a great player himself, you know, won 20 titles, got to world number four, semi-finals of a slam. And and then, of course, yeah, guided Andy Roddick. Roddick was presenting Djokovic with a trophy today, 20 years on from winning in New York. And he hasn't really been in the coaching sphere for quite a while. And yeah, post-Wimbledon, when she lost first round to Sophia Kennan, she was not feeling that great about things. Coco, uh, Brad's put into the team. And it's amazing when you just bring in that super coach just to be part of the mix. Is it the other coach as well? 
but just what they can add. And he said, look, I mean, the weakness of Coco, and everyone identified it, and that's why players would sort of pepper her forehand, is that's the weakest wing. And he said, well, I'm not going to fix that overnight. That's probably an off-season, pre-season thing where we can work on some technical stuff. But what I'm going to try and do now with Coco is just get her to set the court up and work on strategy and point construction, patterns. And I suppose it's, it's ironical that, you know, she's gone 18 and 1 <laughs> since he came in and won a 500, won a 1,000 tournament and now won a Grand Slam. So... Yeah, you'd love to be a fly on the wall in all of that. And we do get to feel a bit more of the coaching input now with the coaches allowed to coach and the microphones pick up, you know, some of the interactions they have with the players. And I love that. I think it's a great aspect now of tennis. Some people don't. Uh, but, yeah, it's um, been a great partnership so far. And, look, she she's a star. She's going to be up in the top echelon for quite some time, mature beyond her years. And in saying that, look, Sabalinka, you know, on the other hand, I mean, she's, she's blown two semis this year mm. at the French and Wimbledon and she's a set up in the US Open final and makes 46 unforced errors her opponent makes 19 so she shot herself in the foot a bit Marina's got to somehow get past all that but she's been the best player this year she's the world number one today but that one would really hurt not been able to win another major for the year that she's had I'll let you go. You've got the first serve coming up here on the SEN Network and a bit of a local flavour as well as you follow all the drama happening around Tennis West yeah, indeed. Uh, we'll have a chat to Mitchell Woodcock from the, the Western Australia and the latest there on uh, the situation with uh, the deposed CEO, Brett Patton. And, um, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll cover that, which is a fascinating story for us over here. Uh, it's There's been some interesting stories with CEOs in tennis of the state governing bodies, uh, not just Brett's the last few years. So, yeah, this one's a fascinating one to follow and to see where it, you know, what sort of conclusion it's going to, uh, come to, but we'll have that on the first server amongst uh, the US Open wrap and other things uh, coming up tonight from six. Yeah, straight after Sports Day WA. Thanks for your time, uh, Brett, uh, and look forward to listening to the first serve. Good man. Thank you, Peter. Brett Phillips and the first serve, as I mentioned, follows in just a few minutes' time. Let's check some headlines before I say goodbye for Irrigear. It is here to save time and water. And Collingwood veteran still Sidebottom has come out and described teammate Braden Maynard as a hard and fair player. As we know, the defender waits to learn his fate at the AFL Tribunal tomorrow night. Maynard charged with rough conduct after his smothering attempt on Angus Brayshaw's kick led to a collision between the two players that left the Melbourne midfielder knocked out. Uh, Brayshaw will miss the Demons' semi-final against Carlton on Friday under concussion protocols and there's no certainty to return next week if Melbourne advance. And, of course, the adjudication, they go to the tribunal about 2 o'clock our time tomorrow, so we'll have all the fallout here on Sports Day WA. And, again, congratulations to our very own Minji Lee. She held a nerve to clinch her first LPGA Tour victory in 15 months with a thrilling playoff win at the Queen City Championship in Cincinnati. Made a brilliant birdie at the second extra hole to deny England's Charlie Hull and secure her first win since claiming a second career major at the 2022 US Women's Open. Well done, Min Ji Lee from the Royal Fremantle Golf Club. That sports update thanks to Irrigear, which offers expert advice and better irrigation solutions to save time and water, Irrigear is here. Just before I go, just reminding you that Beaumont Tiles is giving away a trip for two to American footy's biggest game, worth over $70,000. Just shop in-store at Beaumont's before November 12 
and you're in with a chance to win. TNCs do apply. Thanks for your company tonight. I'll be back again from five tomorrow. All the wash-up on uh, the Maynard situation. Braden Maynard, mostly people are predicting that he will be rubbed out, possibly for the entire AFL final series. But as we know, funnier things have happened at the AFL Tribunal this season. I'm wondering whether there's an interesting uh, twist come tomorrow afternoon, but we'll be right across it here on Sports Day WA. Brought to you by the Kia EV6 GT, World Performance Car of the Year, and our friends at Toolmart, the Complete Tool Centre, serving WA for over 45 years. Thanks, Asha. Thanks, Jimmy. See you tomorrow at 5.